Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're coming and we ain't backing now. Time now for... You've got to love football, man. It's like playing football when you're a little kid in the backyard. Overreaction Go Tigers, go Tigers. Thank you, guys. Go Tigers. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome to Overreaction Monday. Meaningless to you people because this is on-demand listening, but our scheduled taping came a little later today because somebody was late. Pat Forty, are you crying in tears and couldn't emotionally make it because your terrible (laughs) performance in Race for the Case? Was it just too hungover on Sunday morning? Explain yourself. <laughs> what? Well, all the above. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> like I didn't want to talk to you guys again after Iowa somehow failed to cover two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been in a friend's basement. Having beer, watching football till 2 a.m., watching Arizona beat Texas Tech. And I may have just completely 100% forgot that we were doing the podcast early on Sunday morning. So, fine. But I'm here. I'm here. I call Pat to remind him because he's not showing up, and I text him. There's no answer. I call. He's cause he answers the phone like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I was calling to say hi. <laughs> Here's what so- I thought. I was like, oh, man, there must be some breaking news. Wetzel's got some scoop. What's, what is it? He's calling Sunday. me on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, am, uh, I spent yeah. my weekend buried in the middle of uh, two youth soccer tournaments in Columbus, Ohio. Dublin, Ohio. Beautiful Dublin. Oh, yeah. And uh, right now on Sunday, I'm in uh, any parent of a travel team. Sport knows if our team wins, we go to the championship game. But that means I stay here till like it's 5.30 at night. If we lose, we get to go home. <laughs> you know yeah. those parents that... What are you that, really that, rooting yeah. for yeah. here? You know oh. those parents that root too hard for their kids to be victorious in youth sports? Well, <laughs> then there's the rest of us. <laughs> we can win the, Oh, darn. Whatever the hell this thing out. is Okay, called. let's get in the car. Let's yeah. go. The Ohio Premier Invitational, or I can get home and watch the 425 NFL games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. So, anyway, off to the uh, the season now. It's week three. Not a very hyped week. We we And then we kind of predicted and teased that it would get absolute mayhem would happen because it often does in college football. Uh, but there was no ranked teams the first time. I think since 17, I heard that. 
didn't really produce a lot. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we'll, we'll, we certainly have enough topics here, but no, no epic collapse, no huge, you know, altering thing. I, the one thing I do think is the top teams, just like the top six, seven teams look really, really good. And I'm not sure there's a lot else going on. It's, you know, sometimes there'll be a, a team really on a surge. We'll see. But, you know, like early, early exciting teams like Maryland fell apart to Temple and oh, USC had been showing some heart. They, they lose to BYU and, and, and different stuff goes down. One of those teams that I thought was a pretty intriguing game and, and had a certainly a notable ending was Arizona State 10, Michigan State no. 7. <laughs> yeah, not good. Uh, uh, bad loss for the Spartans. Great win for Arizona State. Hey, you went on the road, beat a ranked Big Ten team. Good job. But the MSU offense is atrocious. It is a garbage fire. It has got nothing. It had nothing last year. Mark D'Antonio refused to wipe out the staff. He just gave them all new jobs. You know, if you're the tight end yep. coach, now you're the running back coach. I just, I, as I think we've mentioned, Pat declared it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And indeed, looks like it's falling apart. Perhaps worse, they get called. They have a chance. They they actually tie the game on a it was a 42 or 41 yard field goal at the end of the game, but they have 12 men on the field. They get pushed back five yards. They miss it. They can't tie it and put it into overtime. D'Antonio blames the refs after the game for missing uh some penalties, which they did, but it just seems like this this program, the Spartan program, is in a bit of a funk or a tailspin. And Mark D'Antonio's, to me, other than Dabo Sweeney, who who took a middling, you know, okay program and obviously turned into a juggernaut, D'Antonio did that with Michigan State to kind of a okay program and got him, you know, three, I think three Big Ten titles, Rose Bowl, playoff appearance, pretty much dominated Michigan, pretty much everything you can hope for if you're one of these programs. But the one thing you could always count on with them was great coaching and accountability. And I, and after that game, it was terrible coaching, not just the offense, but the 12 men. And then yeah, we're going to complain about the refs. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's not how we do it. So, well, can we compliment Pat? First of all, I know we've ripped him on right today. You know, I didn't really think historically this would be relevant earlier in the year when he wrote it, but he used the Titanic reference correctly, which in modern college football now is not always such a sure thing. So he actually referred to the Titanic as a sinking ship. So congratulations, Pat, your your history teachers in Colorado Springs at your junior high or maybe like your freshman year in high school. They clearly taught you the proper use of the Titanic. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm one just, up on Captain Asparagus, uh, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I mean, the Michigan State thing to me is bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Because uh, that to me, not changing his staff was stubbornness and arrogance. You know, it's like, I don't have to. You, know, I, you can't make me do that. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm a great coach. No, the results on the field were not great. You needed to make some changes and he really didn't make changes. And now you finally, you know, you play a good team. You beat Tulsa and Western Michigan. Congratulations on that. And the first game against Tulsa, the offense was atrocious. It was better against Western Michigan, but it's Western Michigan. And then you come back and score seven points at home the first time you play a good team. And, and yes, yeah, as, as Dan said, you, you also have a critical coaching error at the end. And you're complaining about the refs. That's, that's, that, all of that is is very bad look, I think, for Mark D'Antonio. So a couple of things here. First of all, since you mentioned Western Michigan, I just have to note that they 
boat raced Georgia State. I believe it was 43 to 13. I texted Sully the screenshot of the shore the other night. And that's just that's like the most amusing part of college football. When you can start by week three using the transverse property to just totally crush the forgotten souls of a, of a place like Tennessee. Wait, have you lost to Georgia State? They lost by 40 to Western Michigan, who, by the way, isn't very good. Anyway, I don't want to get too far off. Tennessee uh, finally does something good, and they beat Chattanooga handily. And you still got to rain some orange negative down on them. I do. (laughs) I mean, Sully's wearing a John Mayer T-shirt this morning, so he's just asking for us to get picked on. Um, (laughs) So interesting tension with D'Antonio moving forward. I read a bunch of the coverage in the Detroit Free Press last night, and one of the interesting quotes was they they hearkened back from something from uh, Media Day. Now, D'Antonio is definitely like an old school curmudgeon coach who can be a little bit snippy. He does not like being challenged. He's kind of cut from that Jim Treshelis era where he thinks the media should all be rooting for his team. I remember asking a bunch of bunch of tough questions about the uh, spree of sexual assault cases they had there. I think two years ago at Big Ten Media Day, and he was just like completely, you know, it was Media Day. He hadn't really talked to the media. He should have been ready. And he basically looked at me at one point. He's like, are you going to ask me another hard question? And I was like, well, you know, you, you basically closeted yourself off from answering any of these hard questions. So he, he has a bit of that testiness in him. I'm sure, Pat, you've seen it. And Dan, you, you're up there. You, you've seen it, too, at, at times. And so somebody said, hey, if you, your failure to make changes on the offensive staff, they probably worded it a little better. But they said, are you worried about your legacy at all if this fails? And his answer was very Mark D'Antonio. He said, I'm not worried about my legacy. I think my legacy is secure. And I thought that little quote was great insight into how he felt, the, you know, the infallibility he felt that, you know, he protected himself at this point. All my wins have given me a chance to protect my guys. And it's, you know, a, a weakness in coaches we've seen year after year, decade after decade, where their inability to part with or alter the jobs of their loyal friends and create significant change to move the program forward holds them back. So it leads us to kind of one of the more fascinating overriding tensions in college football this offseason. January of 2020, Mark is due a $4.3 million retention bonus payout. Now, Obviously, in the big scheme of things, he's earned it, right? Like there, yeah. you know, there's there's no doubt he's the he's the greatest coach in school history. He actually could have tied, or no, got ahead and become the all time winningest coach in school history with a uh, with with a win yesterday. So January 15, twenty twenty, Michigan State has to hand him four point three million dollars, and I can't imagine that feels very good right now. If you're a Michigan State fan or administrator, it's a place that really doesn't have a permanent AD. They have an interim guy they bumped up. It's it's an athletic department in flux. It's still tinged and singed by the uh, awful, awful scandal that that's uh, ensconced at university. It's it's a very interesting time for him there now. And that was just a soul crushing, brutal result directly related to coaching on Saturday. And, and they're, they're wasting uh, my buddy Mike Valenti, who's a radio host in Detroit, and, and not everyone else, too, any Michigan State alum or fan. They're wasting another historic defense. Yeah. Like, that defense is fantastic. If they were yeah. just average offensively, just yeah. just average, you're, you're winning all these games, and you're, I don't know if you're beating Ohio State, but you're at least, you're going to go 10-2 and two or something this year. And, yeah. you know, it's going to come down to what you want when you're Michigan State. Do we beat Michigan? Meet 
Ohio State. That's, you know, Notre Dame, usually they play too. Those kind of the games. And, I mean, it's just, they're just wasting an epic defense. He's built such a great defense and such a great culture of defense and gets those kind of recruits. And then all of a sudden, this offense is just garbage. It's just, they can't do anything. Yeah. Kenny Willick is, is making some money. He is good. Defensive end. Oh, my gosh. He is a game wrecker. And, yeah, they got him, the Joe Bocci at linebacker. I mean, they, they are very, very good on defense. And right now, they're just a one-dimensional team. I mean, scoring seven points the first time you play a good team at home. Wow, that's bad. Now, on the converse, let's do give a little bit of credit to Arizona State. And a couple of years ago, Herm Edwards took over and kind of declared he was going to run an NFL program at a college. Uh, it's kind of unapologetic on how he's going to do this. And it, it you know, some old guard made fun of him and people didn't know if he knew what he was doing. You know, I'm not saying they're going to contend for the national championship here, but three and oh, and they get a road win at a at Michigan State. They found a way to win the game. Uh, Herm Edwards got a better shot here than maybe, uh, you know, maybe everyone thought when when he first got that job and a lot of people pan the hiring. Yeah, oh, well, I, I didn't pan the hiring, by the way. Oh, wait, I actually did. <laughs> so did I. And I so don't want to speak I. for Pat, but yeah, I would assume Pat did too. God, oh, yeah. did they frame that disastrously. Remember that like manifesto of how that oh, yeah. department no, should be I mean, run? Every, and, oh. Everything about it was foolish except for the fact that it was a good hire. So, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I 100% give him credit. And, you know, the amazing thing, their defense is extremely good they're the only team in the country that's given up seven or fewer in all three games so far now it's had to be good to win i mean they, they beat sacramento state 19 to 7 but then you come back that's why i thought they're going to go on the road here and they're just not going to be able to compete with michigan state they they not only competed i mean they they were winning the game virtually the whole game you know i mean well, actually it was there was three nothing and then it was seven three but then they, they came back and took the lead but uh no they they've been good you know, very solid, very, very solid. They're starting a true freshman at quarterback. It's working for them. And now you go into the Pac-12, and, you know, who's afraid of the Pac-12? Why, you know, the, they could make some noise there. You'd have to think if they played USC on a neutral field today, they'd be they'd be favored. So, you know, they basically out-Michigan State, Michigan State, right? Like, yeah. they went in, and, you know, the, the offense wasn't pretty. Jaden Daniels had some nice moments at the end, but he was, uh, he was a very much a, you know, uh, sort of odd freshman playing in a hostile environment for much of that game yesterday. But I think it was a fourth and 13 late, scrambled around, found a seam, and, uh, and, and converted. And, you know, g- good for them. Uh, Danny Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator for Arizona State, is, is one of the best uh, assistant coaches on the West Coast right now. He comes from that rocky, long San Diego State tree, which is sort of similar timber, if you will, to, to the Michigan State tree. So, look, you, you, in, in a weekend when the Pac-12 did not show well non-league, that was by far and away their uh, their best moment. Well, look, everyone who has ever set foot on Arizona State's campus <laughs> has said, why is this place not fantastic Yeah, at all sports? Because, you know, if you and and so maybe this is it. It was unconventional. Maybe this is the. The, the spark that gets him going. But, you know, Herm Edwards is a very motivational guy and yeah. certainly has a lot of experience. And and maybe his his, his intro was a little odd, but uh, that's a great win. I mean, that's a good win. I know we, we bagged on Michigan State earlier, but uh, there's a lot of Arizona State making that uh, the offense look terrible, but not easy to win in Beast Lansing. And they they did it. So that's a quality win for that, th- that deal. Yeah, back-to-back years. Those are, those yeah, are really back-to-back victories over State. That's a good series for them. All right. 
a little bit back to Michigan State. One of the guys who's been the uh, kind of one of the potential heir apparents, if Mark D'Antonio does retire, he's not going to get fired. And believe me, he's not doing that bad of a job. But if he does decide to retire, uh, particularly after this year, which people are thinking, is Pat Narduzzi, his long-term defensive <laughs> coordinator who is now at Pitt. And he's done a pretty good job at Pitt. But let's get negative because that's what we do here on the overreaction. <laughs> Pat's actually frothing at the mouth. To okay, yeah, I'm just going to tee it up for you, buddy. You came late, <laughs> but I, look at how I'm going to forgive you. We're going to set you up. Narduzzi, let's see, they have first... And goal, fourth and goal at the one-yard line, less than five minutes left. They can win the game. They can tie the game against Penn State, 17-10, kick a field goal. I don't get it. Still still need a touchdown to, to, to win or do anything. Or two safeties. I don't know what you're trying to do. <laughs> Kicks the field goal. Karma off the off the uh, post. Doesn't go in. Penn State wins 17-10. What, it, what was he doing, Pat? <laughs> Being an idiot. I mean, that was ridiculous. And then afterwards, he, like, is staunchly sticking up for the decision, which, of course, all coaches do because they can never stand there and say, yeah, that wasn't a very good decision. You know, that's too much for them to do. But, yeah, he said said it was absolutely the right call. He would do it again. Dude, the math is the math. This is not difficult. You're behind by seven. There's less than five minutes to play, and you're at the one-yard line. You know, if it was fourth and one at the 20 or the 30, you might consider kicking the field goal at the one yard line. You know, it's sink or swim right there. You score the touchdown or you don't, and you leave them at the one yard line. That was like preposterous. And this, you know, Narduzzi is first, he is from the, uh, from the D'Antonio tree and he's, he's not necessarily a big media guy. Wouldn't let any of his players talk to the media all week because it's Penn state week, you know, and we, we need to focus. Well, where was his focus at the end of this? Where's somebody on the headset saying, Coach, um, we're behind by seven. We need seven points here, not three. I mean, it's just the dumbest decision of the year, I think, by any coach. I don't think he let the uh, his players talk to the media that week, Pat, because they would have revealed to the media that their coach can't count. <laughs> he cannot count. It's simple math. Send an abacus to the Pitt football office. Like, I'm sure they have four analysts on offense. Someone, and I actually lay some blame on the staff here including our friend Tim Salem, the tight end coach who's addicted to Mountain Dew and sleeps in his office so he doesn't have to do chores at home. And we love Tim Salem on this podcast, as our faithful listeners would know. Someone on that pit football staff has to grow some cojones, get on the headset, and say, hey, Pat, you are going to be the mockery of all of college football if you don't go for it. On fourth and goal from the one, teams score 70% of the time. And then if you do the math on the percentage of drives getting a first down going the other way, it's minuscule. Mathematically, it's stupid. Common sense, it's stupid. I mean, it's stupid in the first quarter, no matter what the score is. In the fourth quarter, in a game where you've only scored one touchdown, to not go for a touchdown to tie the game and then say, well, we needed two scores to win, it was just absolutely asinine. Like, I mean, we're going to be we're going to be making fun of this. I'm actually like appreciative of it in a sense because it was so dumb. It's going to give us fodder. It's going to be sort of that baseline stupid coaching move that we will compare the rest of the stupid coaching moves down the, down down the, the rest of the season for. I mean, I like just, the fact that you're appreciative of that. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, sometimes it's just like you're, you're awestruck. It's like it's like the Darwin Award for coaching. He just won it today. 
you know, and, and really, we're not here to make fun of you. We're here to to encourage good football by humiliating those. <laughs> we're really on the side of good football. That's it. Now, I don't I don't get that. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. That to me is there. It's like you're losing 48 zero and you're at the you kick the field goal. So you don't get shut out. It's like right. one of those meaningless like, hey, look, we got three. Right. Not an over up there. Yeah, this was man. You're got to go for it. You got to go for it. And, you know, I was it's on a side. I was reading the Tribune Review, Pittsburgh Tribune Review. They're obviously covered this. Uh, Kevin Gorman's got a column on it. But on the website, they have uh, just oddly a Tribune poll. OK, a Tribune poll. Now, I, I'm not even going to ask you what the question could be, because this is the strangest Tribune poll or any poll I've ever seen next to a sports column. All-time favorite Pop-Tart flavor. That's the poll. <laughs> Whoa. All-time favorite Pop-Tart flavor. That took a turn, but it, Dan. Yeah, that took a turn. I Like, what? Why? Why? Why are you asking bitter football fans on Sunday morning who no doubt are hate reading this column? Oh, yeah. But what's your favorite Pop-Tart? And then here are my that. here are the choices. There are many choices, but peanut butter, cookies and cream, frosted strawberry, strawberry milkshake, brown sugar. I mean, they're really detailed on this. It's like 10 choices. <laughs> but then my favorite is I don't eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> you can answer that. Why, why would you participate in a Pop-Tart, favorite Pop-Tart poll if you don't eat pop Wouldn't you just be like, okay, I'm not going to waste a moment on this. <laughs> I think you could actually have stopped that sentence at why would you participate in a Pop-Tart poll? All right. I just answered. I don't, I don't eat hop, Pop-Tart. I don't know. I, I Strawberry. Frosted strawberry. I used to eat those when I was, classic, when I was young. Classic strawberry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Pat's picks are so bad, I don't want to double it. So I'll go with uh, brown sugar. Brown sugar was good. <laughs> Although I do like frosted strawberry. <laughs> what the heck? Just <laughs> random. Just, you know, we were wondering. <laughs> Sunday morning. Notice yeah, you're, you're probably a little hungover, Pittsburgh, because you're probably a Penn State fan or Pitt fan. You know, had a had a big day on Saturday. Your favorite Pop Tart. Pop Tarts is breakfast, by the way, was marketing genius. I mean, it's cake. It's like <laughs> it's a cake in a package that you throw in the toaster oven. Yeah, you just drop to... it in the toaster. It's a it's yeah. a damn good idea. You like it? You like it a little? I like it a little burnt though. I want that little char. I want that little no, char. Yeah. No, no, you I want hit it the underdone. toaster twice. Underdone. I was very particular about that. <laughs> You know, just where it kind of starts to bend, then you pop it out. I think, um, I think uh, the Pop Tart. They, I think they knew. I think they're setting traps for us. How do we get our breakfast treat mentioned on this pot? It's like viral marketing. These idiots hey. will read this column. Look what opinion. we've done for Popeyes. You know, yeah. 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 Dan, would you drink for a that Bush damn Light? AIM song? Yeah, Dan, would, would I, you drink a Bush Light while eating a Pop Tart? Uh, I don't know. I just, I'd have to think it's about it. It's a tough it. one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, speaking bad, of Popeyes, since you brought it up, I mean, I know this is kind of their joke, but they're 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 saying you can have a since they don't have the sandwiches, you can get a BYOB sandwich. Have you heard about this? Yeah, oh yeah. Bring yeah. in your own bun. Oh, yeah, 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 bring yeah, your yeah, own yeah. bun. Yeah, bring your own bun. They're saying. Yeah. Uh, while we work to get the sandwich back in our restaurants, we wanted to offer our guests a fun way to satisfy their Popeye sandwich craving. Try our new BYOB. It's basically the sandwich, only no mayo or pickles. Also, no lettuce, it appears. And bring your own bun. Really, it's just three chicken tenders. You just order the chicken tenders and slap them between whatever kind of bun you want. Um, It's kind of a joke, obviously. They they mock it in their own video. Good marketing. 
Um, but Pat, uh, as the one person who has had the sandwich, do you think yeah. you could replicate it with your own bun? You know, I, I got a lot of confidence <laughs> in my buns. Uh, uh, you know, I think I, I think we could do it. I, th- I think we could make it happen. Um, you know, I and I, I want to go back and talk to my guy. He was very excited to see me when I went in there for my for my sandwich. And I, I think he would, again, give me the extra mayo that uh, that he made. Ginny or whatever her name was put on my on my sandwich. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I may go today to celebrate how bad my picks are and bring my own bun and walk in there and and get myself some chicken tenders on a on a plank. <laughs> All right. I wasn't planning to go this route, but the trip. See what happens. <laughs> see what happens to this pod. We're, I'm so easily distracted. <laughs> little shouldn't bobble. Should like, you be rooting for your daughters to lose in youth soccer day? Yeah, I think <laughs> I should be. Like, can we? Where's your focus? Can we go home. I mean, law. I mean, you know, you, you learn some lessons in a loss, right? <laughs> there you go. Life yeah, lessons. Yeah. Life lessons and get home early. That's, yeah. that's what you're shooting for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's not, this. This one's not even. This isn't even her team. She's like a sub. Man, come on. UCF Oof. crushed Stanford. Show of force. I look. I know this is not Stanford. You know, peak Stanford. But still, this was pretty impressive. And uh, I thought, Pete, you had a good line in your your ten observations that just basically like it shouldn't. We should shouldn't keep requiring UCF to make statements that they're a contender. But here we are. You you advocate they should be in the top ten. I probably agree with you. Uh, pretty, I mean, that's this is going on three years now, and they're still beating people up. Uh, this is some pretty good sustained excellence, and I think it's a sign of the one thing that UCF has that that sometimes other schools don't is that flare up is just this well of local talent where they're getting really good players who may not be the top recruits, but they have depth and they can build a program and they got a lot of good guys. And it's, so it's not just a flash in the pan here. Uh, and it's what makes UCF thing. How impressive was UCF? Uh, we can start with you, Pete. I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch because by the time I was watching the end of the first set of games and, and, and how those, the, you know, the ones that went to overtime, whatever played out, they were already up 28, nothing. They scored in their first four possessions. I didn't have a chance to even like appreciate their dominance, but look, they've gone 27 and one going into yesterday. The last, three seasons, 27 and one, like you can't fake 27 and one. It's not like a system or a gimmick or a star. It's pure and utter domination. And the one loss was to LSU in a game that they were in for three and a half quarters. So I just like, I think like we need paradigms changed here. We need perceived notions and pre-perceived notions bent. And if you, I don't care if this isn't a great Stanford team, it's just a good Stanford team, or whatever it is. If you go toe to toe with one of these kick ass pro style teams and you just completely blow them off the field for four straight quarters, it's a huge victory and it needs to be, it needs to be rewarded. And for UCF to have a chance, and Dan, you obviously wrote the book about, you know, the uh, death of the BCS and how, you know, the, 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 the preconceived notions and keeping the little guys down and everything, like they, for them, when the first college football playoff ranking to come out, have a chance to get in, they need to start where? In the top 10 at least? Right? Yeah. If they want to be in the conversation, they at least have to be in the top 10. And if this doesn't put them in the conversation, they'll never have a chance. You need help, obviously. And yeah, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't leapfrog enough teams. You can't be sitting behind one lost teams and then hope you're going to yeah. leapfrog them because they're going to they're gonna leapfrog you. 
They don't want to put you in. Yes. That's it. So, yeah, they they ideally are like sitting at seven. Yeah. Something like that. And then even then, I don't know. But you can't, you, there's only so much you can climb uh, when you're that because someone else is going to come get it. But regardless I, of I'm that. I'm mad we haven't recognized this earlier that they've been getting screwed this bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, uh, they have been. It's absolutely true. And it, it, it needs to stop. They, this team needs a legitimate, you know, airing as a as a as a as a quality team. Uh, and Dan, you're right about. I, I just looked it up. They got 80 guys from Florida on the roster, <laughs> and we know how many good players are down there. And you look at the state of the rest of Florida, and you're like, okay, what do these guys know that you don't? Because Florida State's terrible, Miami's terrible, Florida's a disappointment, but. UCF is rolling. Now, they get their quarterbacks from Hawaii. They got the new guy, Dylan Gabriel, the latest Hawaiian quarterback. They had Mackenzie Milton, and Dylan Gabriel was awesome yesterday. 22 of 30 for 347 with four touchdowns. He has not thrown an interception yet in college. Uh, They just keep getting quarterbacks. They've started like four guys in the last six games. Doesn't matter. Whoever's playing quarterback is good, and their team is good. I, I talked to Mackenzie Milton before the season started. He, you could tell he really wanted to be out there because he thought this team was going to be very good. Love the offensive line, the running backs, uh, and boy, was he right. Uh, they are they are really good, and they get to play Pat mathematically challenged Narduzzi next week. We'll see what happens then. Yeah, another chance for a so-called Power 5 victory, but I just think because of that program's location, it, it can it can sustain. It can continue. It's a, it's a the is it the biggest school in the country? It's it's either the biggest or the second biggest. It's really it, big. Yeah, it's the it's, it, it's the football team in Orlando. They got their on campus stadium. I mean, they got a lot going for them. And you know, I mean, why not? A lot One of kids want to. It's a really nice campus. Sixty six thousand yeah. enrollment. Yeah. That's yeah. Just crazy. Yeah, and they may have one of the five best home environments in all of college football. There was a great shot that went on Twitter yesterday of like thousands and thousands of students lining up hours before the game to go in. They, it's like a little Cameron indoor stadium. They jump a bunch during the game. Give a lot of credit to Danny White and the administrators there for creating a culture of football and building all the things you need around them. Like USF, for example, still plays at like an antiquated old NFL stadium off campus. There's no environment. It stinks there. They're on campus in a stadium built the right size they pack it and it rocks and it's and it's awesome. And those are the types of things when you can create an environment where people want to go to games and it's fun there. Um, and, you know, it, it helps you on the scoreboard, too. It creates an intimidating environment. They got that going. And uh, I think they'll just continue to. So, you know, kids, kid, local kids go over there because they can see the game. It's easy, uh, you know, unofficial visit. You see that atmosphere and you watch them beat Stanford and, you know, you don't have to. Yeah, look, Florida and, and Florida State are going to get their recruits over them. But it's, it's you know, do I need to go to Purdue if I'm playing at UCF? Well, maybe I'll play, right, you know, stay local. So that, that's kind of their thing. Big result Friday night. And Pete, you were there. Les Miles, uh, formerly of LSU, takes over Kansas. The Mad Hatter, 20-point underdog, 21-point underdog, or 20, 20-point underdog to BC. And they house the Eagles, 48-24. This is Friday night. Biggest win for Kansas in years, uh, and obviously a, a statement for Les Miles to say, "Yeah, I'm serious. We're going to do something here." You know, again, long way to go, but this is a, a an incredibly impressive uh, victory. Uh, Pete, what'd you see up there in Boston with the Jayhawks, who we have made we've had great fun making fun of mm-hmm. through the years, and yeah. I feel like we're losing one of our one of our our children. 
<laughs> Rutgers is still loyal to us, but yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, you're not you... rooting for this kid to lose, Dan. No, well, now I might. I mean, I don't. No more Kansas jokes. What's up? Yeah, yeah. So it it was interesting on Thursday. Uh, I live up in Boston, and they played at BC. So I went and saw Les at the team hotel. Went to, went to dinner with those guys and sat with some of the staff and. You know, you sit there, you look at Les, he's 65, right? And he's still this sort of like delightfully quirky yet very obscure, uh, interesting character. And uh, I had gone and done a story in Baton Rouge uh, last year, I think, but it could have been two years ago, where I went and spent a day with Les and sat in his kitchen and just sort of – but he had a desperate desire to come back. And at that point, he was ready to go wherever anyone would uh, would take him. So – he, he had a sparkle in his eye. I thought it was interesting that the assistant coaches there, you know, a bunch of the, whom came from different staffs. There really isn't a lot of crossover from his LSU staffs. They basically said, we've never seen a coach spend more time recruiting than Les Miles. And one of the things he's very wisely doing, I feel like, is taking advantage of the Les Miles brand. He's won a national championship. He's won two SEC titles. He's one of the five most recognizable coaches in college football. It resonates with kids. They grew up with him eating grass on the sideline and watching him in beer commercials the last couple of years. They know who Les Miles is. So it was sort of fun to be around and see, and see Les and kind of get a sense of their plan and what they're doing. They got 26 commitments for next year. They're in the top 25 in recruiting and everything. I got zero sense. You know, sometimes you're around a team the night before a game and, like, you know, there's like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to get up. But, like, what the conversation turned to the game. Everyone was like, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. You know, like, there was not there was not some, like, sneaky optimism or we've got this, like, secret RPO package that's going to help us. No, like, they, without saying it, there was a general sense of, like, we would not be surprised if the odd makers were correct and they ran the ball down our throat for four quarters and we lost. Now, you have to remember, this is, this is a Kansas team that, Scored seven points against the mighty Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Well, against Boston College, they scored on seven straight possessions. BC had no answers. They had no adjustments. Uh, I give Steve Adazio credit for just belly flopping on the sword after this game. He called it my responsibility a bunch of times. They were going in the next morning. He was going to fix everything. But man, like Kansas beat the car out of Boston College. And it was just one of those nights where you could just – Feel the stadium deflate mid-third quarter. And by the end, words I never thought I would say in Boston, Massachusetts, there were like 2,000 Kansas fans were the only people left in the stadium. And it was like a Kansas dance party. Like they were just because they were just like marching up and down the field. And it was like the, you know, the couple hundred local fans and then the families and traveling party. And they were just like dancing around in the chilly autumn evening. It was a really bizarre and surreal scene. And after the game, Les had that twinkle in his eye. And he was very honest. He's like, this is why I came back. Says to stun the world, to show I could do it. He 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 opened up a little bit, and, and you know, just showed some of the vulnerability. Like he looked at the end, didn't blink, came back into a borderline impossible situation, and has a building block now. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I and I, I do. I lament the loss of Kansas as a potential punching bag for us. Uh, you know, when you score seven against Coastal Carolina, you think you still have, you, you think you still got the Kansas material to work with, and then they come back and. And win like that. Let's, but let's what? not write them off yet. I mean, they're 12 <laughs> <laughs> 7 no. lost to Coastal in a, in a whopping 24 17 victory over Indiana State, where Larry Bird was not on the team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Or any What Bird. the hell's wrong with the ACC? Yeah, I know. Right now, they've got three teams that are undefeated. That's it. Clemson, of course. Wake Forest is 3 0 because they 
played North Carolina. And Virginia, which is 3-0 after just trying so hard to vomit up the victory at home against Florida State at the end of that. I mean, that league is in trouble. It is one team and one team only. Yeah, I, I you know what they should do this year? They should launch their own network. <laughs> I think it's a really good marketing year to have their own <laughs> linear cable television network and try mm. to hide games that people would normally want to watch and make people pay for them. I think that'd be a good marketing strategy for this season for ACC football. I, I like that. I think they should run with that. I like their commercials, though. <laughs> I have not watched a second of the ACC network yet. I don't know that I have it or not. But oh, I thought the you meant the commercials that run during the games because I ended up watching it a bunch this weekend thanks oh, to a yeah. ban- abandoned oh, like password because I don't get it here in Boston. Why should I be able to watch Boston College in Boston? They they have like those weird commercials for the gold buffalo coins. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, they've got they <laughs> yes. clearly have no advertising yet. You know, yes. I mean they've launched this yes. thing and they're. <laughs> Yeah, I'm watching yeah. Buffalo it's coins because like it's safer than the market. On, like, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, it's the like, stuff you get on the really, really off-brand cable networks at 10 a.m. You know, yes, it's, yeah. I got some of that on the Pac-12 network yesterday too. I watched a little bit of Colorado throwing up on themselves against uh, Air Force, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those are like those are you know like mid-May if we're doing the pod, we should just watch like commercials on these uh, <laughs> well, conference, <laughs> conference networks. We do, we do. Well, if you thought that pop. Pop Tart bit was good. Wait till we wait till we dive into <laughs> Buffalo coins and infomercials. Well, I'll give you this much. Um, there was one I saw. I'm going to try to look this up here. I think I even took a picture of it. Uh, there was one on the SEC network. It was a catheter. Uh, yeah, it was selling right. the catheters. I think there, it's on there a lot. So I think I've seen it more than once. Yeah, and the catheter I mean, commercial's gone big. Yeah, we I mean, eat football season. I mean, all right, great. I mean, I get it. It's a medical situation it just didn't seem like mass marketing <laughs> like mass advertising <laughs> no yeah that's that's been an acc network go-to so far the catheter, it, the catheter commercial what is what is yeah. that that uh that that thing like what i don't I, know i mean i'm not gonna watch it closely enough to find out do, do you need a catheter I mean, pat the, the very you... premise of it like yeah i, I don't want to go buy a catheter well you like i'm gonna switch <laughs> catheters because i was watching this football game <laughs> My old catheter wasn't good enough. I need, I need a new one. Not that I don't want to talk about catheters, more, but do you get the ACC network, Pat, on your actual yes. like, television? Yes, you I don't do. have to I stream do. it? Okay. Yeah. How did you get it? Is it just with your uh, – this stuff always know. confuses me. It they just, told me, you know, like, go to channel 612, and, and there it is. So it's all okay. It's all direct right. TV. Yeah, do uh, you get it, Dan? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Dan ain't going out of his way to find out. I haven't. I haven't yeah. looked. I I, I can't yeah. say I, I've found any particular reason. Dan didn't want to watch Utah State wake uh, a couple Fridays ago. Didn't want to see Jordan Love. Uh, see, I probably just looked around my normal channels and then didn't see it and figured it's not because I I got thrown early in the year when they didn't put that that uh, Arizona Hawaii game on. So, oh, that like, was CBS Sports Network. Yeah, and so I didn't. I just couldn't. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. I, and I'm a little, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little spooked by the catheters. I mean, <laughs> you're like, you're like, this is what the, they think of. Like, th- this is who they think are watching. Like, yeah. Right? And then they're like, do they know something that I don't know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Ner- catheter you know? day is coming, Wetzel. <laughs> it's coming. I'm like, I don't want one of those. I don't even know how they work. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Yeah. Not for that, me. I mean, 
if you I, watch a lot of the advertising, like during the day and stuff, it's like, <laughs> gosh, is this what our life is heading to? Well, I mean, who is watching in the middle of the day? You know, the ACC network. It's you. You probably don't have a lot going on in life. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just want to watch this. Hey, they're replaying that volleyball game. <laughs> hey, that was one other quick ACC network note. Like they were going to have their basketball schedule release show. Right. Oh, it's going to yeah. be a big thing. This is going to be their big live programming. And, uh, you know, it's ACC basketball. It's a pretty big deal. They're delayed 32 minutes by overtime of a Florida State like soccer game. They never factored in that maybe this soccer game isn't going to be done, you know, exactly at eight o'clock. So that was a big triumph for the ACC network there. Well, if they were smart, they would have called Kent State and got the yeah, fireworks right. sent to the field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Help us out, Neil, how to how yeah. to like end this game. Yeah, you know, I, I really think that well, I know this because on Twitter, every ACC beat writer who I have a lot of empathy oh, for, because like, yes. there's nothing a beat writer wants less than a, like a 930 p.m. schedule release. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's like that's like openly flogging the people who cover you the closest. Right. Yeah, like, it's so just that, like yeah. it total. And you know what? At the end of the day, if, if the soccer game is going to overtime and you don't want to get crushed for going off the soccer game for the dozens and dozens of people who are actually watching the soccer game, one get an email singular. ACC and email your beat writers and take care of them. Because like, just yeah. what a, what, what, like a clunky mechanism to all this. It, in fact, right. you got to schedule in, like you could at least schedule in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like that, what a, you know, just treat the people well who take care of you. That's just bad job by the ACC. All right, I found the commercial. It's it's the Liberator. <laughs> <laughs> it's the what? Liberator? It's, it's called the Liberator. Come on, man. Men's pocket <laughs> catheter. I don't I mean, I don't get it. I'm going to play this. Let's just listen to it. I don't know what's on this thing. Even though I've been using catheters for 15 years, I got to tell you, Liberator Medical has made it a whole lot easier. Call Liberator Medical for free samples of innovative catheters, <laughs> like this pre-lubricated catheter, ready to use right out of the package. And for out-of-home use, there's the men's pocket catheter. <laughs> and my catheters were completely paid for, not a dime out of my pocket. Call Liberator Medical. 1-800-973-1970. <laughs> so do you think that's an actor... Or is that like a, a user? Because if you're the actor, you're like, hey, mom, I got an acting job. Uh, I got my pocket catheter. <laughs> it better be an actor. I like I don't I don't want to I don't want any discussion of catheters on my television. I really don't. I think podcast? our listeners are, are probably saying the same thing right now at this point in the podcast. <laughs> Listen, we I think we need to project a healthier lifestyle for all of our, all, everyone in college football, because this is clearly who they think we are. I People guess so. who need a free sample. You are what your infomercials say you are. <laughs> hey, give it a try. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to try it. The men's pocket <laughs> catheter. <laughs> Just send me a freebie. Walking around, watching your pocket. Eh? What are you doing? Oh, From Pop-Tarts to catheters, the <laughs> Yahoo College College Podcast. <laughs> I was watching NC State Virginia Tech volleyball, and <laughs> this man on the TV said, I got a free catheter. I said, I'll give it a try. Uh, what the hell? So, somewhere in like Dothan, an Alabama fan's like, they've been on the podcast for 49 minutes, and they haven't mentioned the Tide once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that. All right, let's do uh, a <laughs> small sample Heisman. Hello, 
small, sample Heisman. How about that? A lot of people give out the Heisman at the end. That's how that works. But we like giving out every week. Small, sample Heisman. So, Pat Forty, who is your small, sample Heisman? Who won the Heisman this week? I made brief mention of him, but I'm going with Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback at UCF, true freshman from Mililani, Hawaii. And quite frankly, I mean, he'd been okay. He'd thrown some good deep balls and stuff so far this year. But against, you know, first big action of his career against Stanford, he lit up the Cardinal. 20 to a 30, 347 yards, four touchdowns. For the year so far, nine TDs, no interceptions. He's got a passer rating of 206.6. People thought without Mackenzie Milton, they may be in trouble. People thought when Duriel Mack got hurt, they may be in trouble. People thought Brandon Wimbush was going to be the guy. No, it's this guy, Dylan Gabriel, true freshman, small sample, Heisman winner. Pete? Uh, I am going to go with uh, recency and location bias, and I'm going to give out two small sample Heismans to – Khalil Herbert and Puka Williams of Kansas, because I watched them run up and down the field unimpeded on poor Boston College on Friday night. Herbert had 11 carries for 187 yards. That's pretty good. And Puka, who I just kind of slid in there because he has a great name, is 22 rushes, 121 yards, even though he probably should have been playing. That was uh, Those are my small sample Heismans from, uh, from the Mighty Mighty Jayhawks. They're coming. All right, there you go. I'm going with Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma. Not particularly original, but look, 439 total yards of offense. Oklahoma destroyed UCLA, 48-14 in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Chip Kelly may or may not still work at UCLA. I have no idea. He's getting paid. He's official. I'm not saying he's fired. He just, I don't know how bad this team could possibly be worse. But Jalen Hurts passing 289 yards, 15 of 23 TDs. Running, 14 carries, 150 yards, TD. Uh, exactly how do you play better than that? I guess you go 20 for 20, but just uh, Jalen Hurts is just crushing it uh, for Oklahoma. All right, we have said some mean things, although not. Well, I think we were a little less mean in this uh, podcast than many. Uh, we'll, we'll step up our game midweek, I promise. But let's say something nice. Start with you, Pete. Do you have anything nice to say uh, about college football? Yeah, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed the Zach Wilson experience. BYU's whirling dervish quarterback who led that uh, stunning comeback at Tennessee two weeks ago. Not stunning that they won, stunning that Tennessee actually allowed them to march down and tie the game. But he was awesome against USC. Uh, Some people on Twitter started to try to call him the Mormon Manziel after uh, Johnny. He does have some of that escapability, some of that verb. He was a blast to watch he led them on a three-play drive where it was basically like like a spin through defenders throw the ball 35 yards and then he ran a drop the middle for 16 put BYU ahead did just enough in uh in in overtime he's got some swag I I like me uh I like me some Zach Wilson so that is who I'm going to speak nicely about today Pat uh I'm gonna speak nicely about Ohio State I went up at uh, for the noon game yesterday to watch them play Indiana and uh that is a complete team. You can't really find any weaknesses in what Ohio State is doing at this point. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Their running backs are very good. Their receivers are excellent. Excuse me, Justin Fields uh, is playing very well. The defensive line, beasts, defense in general, much better than last year. Offensive line blocking much better than last year. And they haven't yet, you know, they haven't played anybody really good yet, obviously, but uh, they, they have... 
the makings of a playoff team for sure. Uh, and they've still got a few weeks to to get that all together. They got Miami of Ohio. They're at Nebraska, who I don't think is that good. They play the rearranged deck chairs of Michigan State on October 5th. And it's like at Northwestern. I mean, it's like the last half of the schedule is before they, they play anybody significant, in my opinion. So I think we're going to see Ohio State going into late October like 7-0 and and looking really strong. My say-something-nice is about what unfolded at Georgia this weekend. Uh, Wendy mm-hmm. Anderson is the was the husband of Blake Anderson, the head coach at Arkansas State. She succumbed to a two-year battle with breast cancer last month. Uh, Arkansas State visited Georgia, and a uh, really inspired effort by Georgia fans and, and everyone down in Athens to turn the game into a pink-out uh, for breast cancer awareness, they raised some money and in a way to honor uh, Wendy Anderson, Blake Anderson, Coach Anderson said it's been an emotional week. I just want to say publicly one of the classiest moves I've ever seen. It's hard, truly hard to prepare for something like that. It was a really unbelievable scene down there. One of the reminders that uh, there is a lot of a lot of great stuff in college football. Of course, the Bulldogs then won fifty five to zero. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's the that's what they're supposed to do too. So, really cool scene down there, and uh, for a good cause. And and for I didn't know Wendy uh, Anderson, but obviously a woman who who touched a lot of lives uh, in in her time uh, amongst us. So, good job, good job there in Athens. Yeah. Um, Dan, can I piggyback on that and yeah. compliment Georgia fans double? Uh, remember, I, I was at Georgia last year to open the season when I was embedded with Mighty Austin P. Their offensive line coach, Josh Urgel, uh, has a daughter with severe special needs. Her hospital bills were mounting. There was a story leading up to the season opener that ran locally. Georgia fans basically rallied and paid for Landry Urgel's hospital bills, which I thought was one of the coolest things that I've seen in all my years covering college football. So back-to-back seasons just – monster empathy from Georgia fans and really just two of the classiest moves I, I can remember. So, so double props to them. Extra nice things. Yeah. How about them dogs? Man. Love them dogs. It's a great place to go see a game and uh really, really good scene. All right, please subscribe. Tell your friends to listen, share us on social media. Podcast is growing in popularity. Of course it is, but you'll be able to say you are an early adapter or adopter, <laughs> whatever it is. I don't know. What is it? Adopter. <laughs> We'll give you a free catheter if you listen. We'll send a no. Don't say that because someone will come looking for the <laughs> yeah, damn right. thing. Somebody will actually send. want it. Anyway, please listen. We'll be back preview week four on Wednesday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car. Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.